0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like you're not getting the full picture, the full story? You know what I'm talking about, whether it's media, politics, or someone trying to sell you something? Do you ever feel like you're being played somehow? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there, and maybe some of you, you're tired of the spin on everything. All the spin, it even affects the language we use. A company no longer says you're fired, that's too harsh. They don't downsize anymore because that's negative. A company right sizes now. Guys aren't bald, they're comb free. It's no longer a used car. It's a pre-owned certified vehicle. Somebody pre-owned it. It's not used. Ron Ziegler was the White House press secretary for President Nixon during the time that the whole Watergate scandal was was kind of all, all the information was coming out, all the lies were coming out. One morning, he told the reporters a statement that proves completely false that night. And so the next morning, the the, the reporters come in, and they asked him about that statement that was obviously untrue. And here's what he said. He said to them, that statement from yesterday is no longer operative. (laughs) So I'm going to start using that on my wife. That might get me out of a lot of stuff. How's that going to go? I was watching a few years back, uh, uh, Jim Comey, he was the uh, um, uh, FBI director, Um, and he was being questioned by Congress, and um, during that, uh, a congressperson asked an important question uh, that the public had a right to know, and so they asked the question, and, and Comey's response was, I take your question. That was it. I take your question. What does that mean? I I don't know what that means, but I love the phrase so much, I take your question. I use it all the time now, by the way. More in mocking jest, I still don't know what it means, I take your question, but, well actually, I do know what it means. It's spin, right? It's not giving the whole story, it's holding back. We put a spin on everything, even reality TV isn't reality. I mean, it's still shot and edited and spliced in a way that the director's, that it accomplishes the director's purposes. Everything in our culture is cleaned up, edited, and of course now everything gets a filter. You may, some of you may know this, some of you may not, even when your photos, even when you take a picture with your photo, did you know that your photo is actually edited before you even edit it. Did you know that? There's this smooth facing thing that happens. And, and so the, you're like, why do I all of a sudden look so amazing on the pictures? Because it's edited before you even get to it. And so I don't know if you know, if, if you feel a little bit like me, but I'm kind of tired of all the spin. I, I'm kind of worn out from the spin. I, I kind of wish somebody would just tell me like it is. That somebody would just lay it out straight. You know, I can handle it. You can handle it. We can deal with it. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't put a filter on it. Don't clean it up. Don't edit it. Just lay it out there and let me work with it from there. Well, that's exactly what James does in his letter that you and I have in our Bibles. He's like this no-bowl, no-nonsense, no-spin kind of guy. And he's going to lay it out for us straight. And in doing so, by just getting real and, and being truthful, he's going to be extremely practical in what he shares with us. And so what we're going to do this fall is we are going to remove the filters. We're going to remove the spin. We're going to look at Christianity lived out in a very practical way, for real, no spin and so James is going to start off in his letter with a bang. In fact, what I'd like you to do right now is turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. Or you can take a picture there on the screen of the, of the QR code. That'll send you to our notes in the UVersion Bible app. You can also follow along that way. James is just going to dive right in from the beginning of his letter and tell you and I how to handle the problems and trials in our life. He's going to tell us how to act, how God wants us to act and react and respond to all the difficulties that come our way. In fact, James doesn't waste any words. In verse 1, he announces who he is, and then in verse 2, boom, it's like, hey, let's look at verse 2. He said, verse 1, here's who I am. Verse 2, consider it pure joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How would you like to get that letter from somebody? I send you a letter and I say, hey, it's me. Life's hard. Life's difficult. You're going to have a whole lot of problems, so be happy. How would you like to receive that kind of letter? Be happy. Pure joy. But hold on, James. Wait a minute. I, I, I don't know about you, James, but I got some tough situations going on in my life. You don't know my circumstances, James. You don't know my trials, my challenges, my issues. They're huge. In fact, some of them seem insurmountable. They're all consuming. James, what do you mean be happy? What do you mean, James, to consider it joy? In fact, you might, if someone came up to you and said that, you might be quick to dismiss them as someone who just seems so unsympathetic to your pains and to your challenges who as one translation says, James says this, consider yourself fortunate. Everybody say fortunate. fortunate. Consider yourself fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. But here's the thing with James. He's just not putting any spin on it. He's just being real. He's just telling you and I like it is. And he tells you and I how and why we can consider it joy We can be happy when we face trials. And the key is the phrase, because you know. Let's read this again, starting in verse 2, James chapter 1, verse 2. James says, Consider it pure joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know. Say, "I I know. I know that the testing of my faith produces perseverance. In other words, God tells you and I, I want you to see the benefit. I want you to see the value. I want you to see that you have an opportunity to shift your perspective on your problems. Tim Hansel was a hardcore athlete. He won a lot of awards and, and, and medals and, and, and trophies for playing rugby, but he was also an avid mountain climber. In fact, he learned the, er, er, earned the nickname, Thrasher, because he would just scale mountains in, 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 an aggressive, uh, in an aggressive way. Well, one time, he's climbing a glacier with some friends of his. And as they're making this climb, they get to this point of really narrow section, and he wanted to get around one of his friends to kind of get, get forward and, and lead the way a little bit. Well, as he tried to inch around his friends, he lost his footing and fell hundreds and hundreds of feet down into the ravine. His friends decided, obviously, to start heading down into the ravine to go find him, assuming he was dead and that they would be carrying out a dead body. They arrive at Tim, and Tim's laying there, and they're kind of moving him around, and Tim comes, too, and he sits up. He was able to function. He was able to talk. Turns out he didn't have any broken bones. He was just shaken up. So they hiked out of the mountains and he came home. For three days, everything seemed normal for Tim. But then he woke up in the middle of the night in an absolute cold sweat. What had happened that he actually ended up from doctors finding out later is that when he fell into that ravine, his body actually went into complete total shock for three days. Something very odd that doesn't normally happen. But when he woke up that third night, every joint, every muscle, every ligament in his body hurt. And basically from that day until the day that Tim died, he lived in chronic pain in virtually every way you can imagine, every joint of his body was in pain. There'd be 10-week stretches where he literally couldn't sleep at all. The pain was so severe, but Tim tried to make the most out of his life, and and so he still tried to be active and still tried to function. In fact, one day he was playing tennis, and as he threw up the ball and went to swing, he broke his ribs. That's how messed up his physical body was. It had fallen apart. If anybody had the justification to be miserable, it was Tim. Yet he wrote this powerful book called You Gotta Keep Dancing. It's decades old. I read it decades ago. It was pretty instrumental in my life and and helping my life at that season of my life. Had a big impact on me. And here's uh, one of the quotes he said in the book. He said this. He said, I've prayed hundreds if not thousands of times for the Lord to heal me, and he finally healed me of the need to be healed. I discovered a peace inside the pain. I've survived because I've discovered a new and different kind of joy that I never knew existed. A joy that can coexist with uncertainty and doubt and with pain, confusion, and ambiguity. Can you imagine saying that? About your problems? Your difficulties that you're going through? Here's this amazing athlete whose life was forever changed and altered. And he said... I discovered a joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. I discovered a joy that could coexist with pain, confusion, ambiguity. How was he able to get there? He saw the benefit. He saw the benefit. How could he do that? Because he understood something. That your attitude, my attitude, our attitude in our life is oftentimes determined by our understanding by what we comprehend, by what we know. Rejoicing and joy and being happy is not just positive thinking, but it's based on some facts of life. It's based on reality, not some spin, but it's based on reality. So what is James going to do this morning as we go through a couple verses? James is going to tell you and I a few facts. Again, no spin. Just real, practical, down-to-earth teaching. Because James understands that if you and I can understand the reality, the truth, no spin, that it can actually help our perspective, it can help our attitude, it can help us handling the difficulties and the hard stuff in our life. It can help you with whatever challenges you're going through. And so the first no-spin message that James uh, imparts to us and shares with us is he says that problems are inevitable. Notice, James doesn't say, if you encounter problems, consider it joy. He doesn't say if. What does he say? He says whenever. When you have problems. In other words, you and I, we can count on it. You're going to have problems. If you've ever had a problem in your life, raise your hand right? You're going to have problems. The key word here in the passage is when or whenever. It's a fact of life. You and I are going to have problems. Jesus said in John 16, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, Peter said in 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. I'm blown away by how many people over the years come to me and they're so distraught and they're so upset and they just can't understand why they're going through a challenge or a problem or a difficulty. And I'm like, no spin here? The truth? You're going to have problems, they're inevitable. Scripture makes it clear, it's a part of our life. My daughter uh, started uh, college uh, last month, and as we were figuring out her classes, we wanted to make sure she wasn't wasting her time. What do I mean by that? We wanted to make sure we understood, hey, what are the required courses that she has to take, and then what are the electives? We wanna make sure she gets enough of the required courses and doesn't just take a ton of electives and then can't move on in her graduation process. Now, as she's looking at all these classes, one of the things she discovers is that the electives look a lot more fun. <laughs> right? The electives look a lot more interesting to her. In fact, oftentimes the electives are much easier. But what is required in order to graduate? What are the required classes to move forward? Problems, they're not an elective in our life. There are required course, nobody's immune. Problems are inevitable. But then next, James, no spin message to you and I is that our problems are also unpredictable. James says this, he says, whenever you face trials or face problems, that word face that he uses literally means to fall into unexpectedly. It's the same word used in the story of the Good Samaritan. Some of you might know that story. It was a story, a parable that Jesus told. He told about this guy who was traveling, and, and as he was trave- traveling, he unexpectedly fell into the hands of some robbers who came, beat him up, took all of stu- his stuff, left him half dead on the side of the road. James is telling us that we can't anticipate the problems we're going to experience in life. That traveler in Jesus' story couldn't anticipate that that was going to happen. It was unexpected. Our problems come when we least expect them. And you know what else? I've discovered, and maybe you've figured this out too, our problems are always inconvenient. Right? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've said, you know what? Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm ready for a problem. I'm good. This is a good time now. This would be a convenient time for me to have a problem. Uh, My son had a a summer camp uh, this summer. He's a student pastor in Southern California, and so he took his students up to uh, Lake Shasta. And so he got a bunch of uh, uh, people in his church who would bring their boats up and drive the kids during the free time. And so one of his boat drivers uh, um, was was this guy uh, named Bobby. And so Bobby was making his way up from South Orange County um, and so he was a big part of, because he has the biggest boat, it can hold like 20 wakeboarders and all, 20 people in the boat. It's this massive boat. So he's making his way up, he gets to the grapevine, and in the grapevine, uh, something goes wrong with his engine and his muffler system and all that. He can't get a hold of anybody. There's nobody who can help him out. It's Sunday after, you know, late at morning. And, and so he jerry-rigs the whole thing and somehow makes it up to Shasta. But it was super inconvenient. It was about a four-hour delay, impacted what, everything they had to do on that end. Because again, at 20 people a boat, you know, he can ferry, you know, 80 people quickly. And so it really was inconvenient for everybody. Um, and so then uh, Bobby's going through the weekend. And with two days still left on the trip, and so again, the boat drivers, they would, during the free time, they'd take kids out and tube and wakeboard and wake surf and all that kind of stuff. Two days left on the trip and his uh, his trim on his boat breaks so he can't basically take off or his boat's going to sit like this. It won't level on plane, blah, blah, blah. So he's got two days left on the trip and his boat isn't working. His boat is about two years old. It's it's about a $200,000, $250,000 wakeboard boat. Now, uh, those two... 200000 when you buy a $200,000 wakeboard wake surf boat, you know what the subtitle is when you buy a $200,000 brand new wakeboard boat? You know what the subtitle is? You're never going to have problems. That's why you spend $200,000 like, hey, this is going to be a legit boat. It breaks, completely inconvenient, affected the whole trip for everybody. So I was up there for a few of the days at my son's camp, and I told Bobby, I said, hey, you know that whole engine thing you got going on. If by chance, when you're coming back down and you have a problem with, with your muffler system or whatever exhaust system again, and you're near Sacramento, feel free to hook me up and I'll do what I can to help you. Now I didn't actually mean it. Wait, hold okay, you're laughing. What what's the series? No spin, right? So I'm just being real, anybody else ever do that? Come on, so no, be careful how much you laugh, don't judge. So it's Saturday afternoon, they finish their camp, it's late afternoon, I'm stud- doing my final studying as is my custom, just kind of cleaning things up with a message and, and, and it had been a long day already and I get this call on my phone and it's Bobby. I'm like, do I even want to answer this? So I pick it up and he's like, hey Chris, it's Bobby. Remember how you said? When anybody ever starts a sentence with him, remember how you said? He said, hey, I'm, I'm in Stockton right now. And I'm like, well, I said Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> so, he is driving down the road. It wasn't his exhaust. His truck, which is only a couple years old, his tire, the whole assembly, whatever is involved there, the tire went like this, the whole assembly. The CHP officer said it was a miracle he didn't crash. So, Bobby delayed again. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. You know, he's like, hey, can I store the boat there? And I'll go get, you know, someone will fix it, and blah, blah, blah. And so so he, he eventually gets up here hours later. I come down, help him get everything set up, and, and, and do all that. Super inconvenient for me, that half hour of inconvenience. <laughs> Not in my schedule. So he did that, ended up taking a, a car to the airport, flying back home. The next day, Monday, he, he, or a couple days later, he, you know, finds a place to take the truck to get towed, yada, yada, and then he had to come back up here and drive back down. Super inconvenient for him. Some of you may remember there was this big giant boat that was sitting out there when we had the, um, our, one of our summer parties out there. That was Bobby's boat that was sitting here. I tried to say, hey, here's my deal for helping you leave the boat here permanently. He didn't go for that. <laughs> Super inconvenient because that's what problems are. They're unpredictable. They're inconvenient. The third reality James wants us to know is that our problems, they just come in all shapes and sizes. When James says we face problems of many kinds, that word many kinds kinds literally means multifaceted. We eventually, from this Greek word to the Latin and all that, we eventually get our word polka dot. You have problems, in other words, of many shades and varieties. They come in various varieties and, and different intensities. Some of our problems are minor inconveniences that, unfortunately, some of us blow up into something big. Some of our problems are major crisis. And God is saying to, an, uh, to you and I, no spin here, consider it joy when your life is dotted with many multicolored, diverse trials and challenges in your life. And so you're like, Really? Well, here's the key. Here's real faith. Here's Christianity getting real, no spin. Here's why you can consider it joy. James wants you and I to to understand that our problems come with a purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Your problems, my problems, your difficulties, my difficulties and challenges and trials, they come with a purpose. What is James talking about? For example, James is letting us know that your problems are going to help purify your faith. When James says in verse 2, when he says, you know that the testing, everybody say testing, the testing of your faith, that word testing is is in reference to how gold is cleaned cleaned up and processed. So how would that happen back then? Well, you would heat gold up under intense heat. And then the impurities would rise. The dross would rise. And as that happened, then you would cool the gold down and then you would skim off the impurities and the dross. Then you would heat it up again and more of those impurities would come out. And then you would cool it down and you'd take off the impurities and the dross. And you kept doing this. You kept going through this journey, this process, till eventually all you had left was pure gold. In the Bible, testing and purification go hand in hand. We are tested, and that brings about a purification. Job, Job chapter 23. Job says, when God tests me, I will come out as pure gold. The first thing that trials do is they test us. They test our faith, but God is using that to purify us. God also wants to use your problems, your challenges, your trials. He wants to use those to help you develop endurance. James says, you know the testing of your faith produces or develops perseverance or endurance, some translations say. You know what James is talking about? He's talking about, you know, staying power. The ability to keep on keeping on. The ability to hang in there. To not give up. The Greek here in this passage literally says the ability to stay under pressure. I get it. None of us like pressure. And when there's challenges, difficulties, pressure in our life, we do everything we can to set up our life to alleviate as much pressure as possible. But God uses it. And God uses those trials and those challenges to teach us, to purify us, to help us be able to handle the pressure. James 1.3 in another translation says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Everybody say grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Has anybody here ever heard of, of VO2 max? anybody here anybody a couple handful of you guys have, have heard of that phrase what is vo2 max it's often used and talked about in the context of endurance athletes vo2 max is the volume of oxygen your body consumes in a period of time usually usually in a in a in a, in a in a minute and it's the liters and all this or milliliters of volume that you produce in a minute. The easiest analogy would be this, or imagery would be this, it's your VO2 max, and we all have a VO2 max, it's the size of like your your engine for you as a person when it comes to your ability to do stuff, to move, to be active, and and to get around. It's how quickly, your VO2 max is how quickly your, again we all have a VO2 max, it's how quickly your body can take the oxygen in the air. Take it into your lungs and then get into your blood and then have your muscles use it so that it can produce the energy necessary for you to to go, to do, to to keep moving forward. And so you can imagine if you're an athlete, a high endurance athlete, a a, a marathon runner, a a, a Tour de France rider, whatever the case may be, you can imagine you want to have a good VO2 max. Because you're riding, you know, for hundreds or thousands of miles or you're running for miles upon miles. And so you want to have a a good VO2 max. How do you increase your VO2 max? Well, you have to push yourself to the limits in your training. You have to go under and endure certain types of training to increase, to develop, to grow your VO2 max. The only way for you and I to develop and grow in our ability to stand up and endure and persevere, the only way to endure all the stuff that James is talking about, our problems in life, the only way is to actually go through those challenges, to be in them, to go through the process. There's no shortcuts to developing your endurance. An athlete who wants to increase their VO2 max, there is no shortcut. They have to go through and they have to endure additional training and specific type of training. When God is trying to teach you and I patience, how does he do it? Is it by everything going our way? No. How does God teach us patience? He gives us teenagers. No. God teaches us patience in the traffic jams, in the long lines in the grocery store. He teaches us patience in all those waiting times in our life. Maybe you're in a time of waiting right now, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you're in a time of waiting, you just need to understand God is using that to teach you. God is using that to develop you, He's using that to develop your endurance because that's going to help you grow. He's increasing your spiritual VO2 max. Remember what James said. James said, because you know, you know, you know, you know there are benefits to the difficulties, to the trials, to the challenges that you and I are going through. And one, the other, another benefit that James says to you and I is our problems, they bring about a maturity in us. Notice what James says in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance. Let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you may be, and what's the word? You may be? Mature. mature. Everybody say it again. You may be? Mature, mature and what? complete. I I see you're not super thrilled about it. My problems, Chris. Again, James is not putting any spin on it. He's letting us know that it's your problems that you're going through. God's using that because God has a long-range goal. His purpose for you is to become a mature and complete follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, God just wants you and I to grow up. God's far more interested in building our character than in you and I being comfortable. See, we want to be comfortable, avoid problems, do everything we can to minimize them. God's more interested in building our character. God's goal is to make you and I more like Jesus. And he knows one of the best ways for that to happen is for us to go through and then endure the hardships, the pains, the difficulties without the problems. Without your trials, without your difficulties, you just can't grow. So, what if you were willing to view your problems, trials, challenges, whatever you're going through right now, what if you view those as an opportunity to grow, to develop, to mature, to become complete in Christ? What if that was your perspective? You might be sitting here saying, well, Pastor, I, right now I'm, I'm in a season where I'm not going through anything. Well, I just tell you this, enjoy it, just consider it rest. Because again, what did James tell us? Problems are inevitable. So they're coming back. So enjoy your rest. No spin statement for you. You ready for a no spin statement? You might want to write this one down. I don't think it's in the notes. Again, No spin. When you're going through problems, you're actually exactly where God wants you to be. I want you to hear that again. Whatever you're going through right now, your difficulty, your challenges that you may not understand, just know you just might be, I would say you are, exactly where God wants you to be. You're in a character course, a required class. It's not an elective. Because in this class, he is making you more like Jesus. Think about it this way. How does God teach you and I the fruit of the Spirit? How does he do it? Well, doesn't he put us in the exact opposite situation? If God wants to teach you love, what does he do? Well, he puts you around unlovely people, right? Starting with like small groups. I know that doesn't really promote small groups very well. Sorry, Pastor Derek. (laughs) But sometimes it happens, right? You're like, "Oh man, that's why." By the way, that's why we set up the groups. You can do them for a semester and then get out. You know, for all those unlovely people. That wasn't spin. That was just me uh, being not funny. If God wants to teach you joy, what does He do? He puts you in times of tragedy. He puts you in times of sadness so that you will discover and learn joy in any circumstance. How does God teach you peace? Well, God puts you around chaos. It's easy to have that peaceful, easy easy feeling. Is that the song? Peaceful, easy feeling when you're sitting on a beach in Hawaii. Anybody can do that. How about patience? We already talked about it. He has you wait. If you've been praying, God, give me patience and hurry up, <laughs> It's not how God works. No matter how difficult your problems may be, I hope you'll keep in mind what the psalmist says. Psalm chapter 34, it says, The righteous person faces many trials, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. I've discovered that, yes, God does deliver, but he usually waits a while. Or as the famous 19th century pastor George Mueller said, God's deliverance is never late, but it's seldom early. So, James, he kicks off this extremely relevant letter and deals with a practical topic that we all face, problems. He doesn't give us any spin. He just gets right to the point. He acknowledges we're all going to have problems and difficulties and challenges, but it's in those challenges, it's in those issues and and trials and difficulties that there really can be a purpose. Your faith will be purified through it, you'll become more like Christ. As you go through it and learn to develop and stand and develop your spiritual uh, VO2 max, You will be able to endure and develop perseverance more than you ever thought possible. And ultimately, God's using it all to help you become mature and complete in Christ. So, what's your response to your problems? I want to encourage you to think about how Job described it. And maybe this would be your response. Job, if anybody has an excuse, if you know the story of Job, if anybody has an excuse, man, he went through the worst problems and trials you could possibly imagine. And Job said in Job 13, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. No matter what. Job says, I'm not going to give up on God. I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to trust in God. I know God's using my circumstances to grow me, to help me become mature and complete in Christ. I know he's using them to increase my endurance, my spiritual VO2 max, so that I can handle more than I could have ever imagined possible. So what problems are weighing you down? What is it in your life that you'd be willing to acknowledge the facts the reality that God's using those to grow you, to mature you in Christ Jesus. Would you be willing to say, God, I recognize it. So God, I, as I go through this, I'll consider it joy because I know on the other side of it, there's maturity, there's a completeness in Christ. Would you be willing to have that be your prayer today? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.